If you have your Bible, go please to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to read uh, the verses we've been reading over the last few uh, weeks. Genesis 15, 1. The Bible speaks of Abram, and we've been studying the Abrahamic covenant, or the covenant that God made with Abram. And uh, the, particularly right here in chapter 15, some of the highlights of this covenant which God made which ape with Abraham. Now you might say, well, Pastor, why should we study a covenant that God made with somebody else? And the simple fact is that believers are heirs of the Abrahamic covenant. We are heirs of the blessing of Abraham. Uh, the book of Galatians says that because of the cross, we uh, the, the blessing of Abraham has come upon the Gentiles. And so uh, this blessing is ours uh, as well by faith. Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, since you, have, uh, since you have given me no offspring, one born of my house will be my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look, behold, uh, toward the heavens, and count the stars. If you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans uh, to give you this land to possess it. And he said, O Lord, how may I know that I will possess it? And he said to him, bring me three old, a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought these and cut them in two, and he laid them on, uh, each on half in front of the other, but he did not cut the birds. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God, which is so powerful that it is able to change the circumstances of our mind and of our life. I thank you for the living word of God, and I pray tonight that you would anoint me to teach uh, the word and to preach the word according to your will, and that our hearts would be receptive to the voice of the Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. We have been talking about living in the covenant economy. Hemos estado hablando de vivir en la economía del pacto. And I'll just briefly remind you that there are four economies that you can live in. Hay cuatro economías en cual usted puede vivir. The first economy is the economy of the curse. La primera economía es la economía de la pobreza, uh, perdón, de la, uh, de la maldición. And this uh, is where we see lack and poverty. Aquí vemos la pobreza y la escasez. Now then you have the economy, which we call the natural economy, which God said would be seed, time, and harvest. In this economy, you receive things by work. And so the 
uh, the words that describe this economy is, I will work for it. In the Babylonian economy, that's the third economy. Then you have the uh, currency of that economy, which is debt. And this economy seeks to uh, enable us to have what we can't have right now uh, more quickly through the aid and agency of debt. And so this economy is uh, the, the statement that goes with this economy is I will borrow for it. But then there is the covenant economy. And the covenant economy is one of faith. And one in which we receive uh, the promises of God by faith. And this economy operates through prayer and receiving. It operates through sowing and reaping. And it operates through faith. And so the motto of this economy is I will believe for it. And so we have been talking about the fact that Abraham chose to live in the covenant economy of God. He was offered riches by the king of uh, Sodom and he rejected those riches saying, I will not let it be said that you made Abraham rich. I'm not going to see you or accept you or adopt you as my source. God will be my source. And that is ultimately what the covenant economy is all about. Is about knowing God as your source. And that is God is your source of salvation. God is your source of emotional well-being. God is your source of physical well-being. And God is the source of your life and livelihood. If God is your source, say amen. So you and I live in the covenant economy of God. Usted y yo vivimos o debemos vivir en la economía del pacto de Dios. Y esta economía es una economía en la cual Dios es nuestra fuente de recursos. Now life will tempt you to return to the other economies from time to time. La vida va a tentarte, tentarte a regresar a las otras economías de vez en cuando. You have to remember that you have God as your reward. Tenemos que recordar que Dios es nuestro galardón. And so it's not things that we're after, but it is God that we seek. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. God doesn't mind if you have things, but he minds if things have you. If there's anything before God, then God, being a jealous God, will seek to its removal. But if you will keep God as number one in your life, uh, then you can enjoy the covenant blessings of God. Si usted mantiene a Dios en primer lugar en su vida, entonces usted puede recibir las bendiciones del pacto de la promesa de Dios. Now I want to make a few statements tonight regarding this covenant as we go in uh, to this study. Vamos a decir algunas cosas esta noche al entender este estudio. Uh, first of all, I want you to know that the covenant of God is an offer of friendship. El pacto de Dios es una oferta de amistad. God offered Abram friendship. Dios le ofreció a Abraham 
amistad. Now let me just tell you, there is nothing greater in this life than to be a friend of God. No hay mejor cosa en esta vida de que ser amigo de Dios. The Bible tells us in James chapter 2 verse 23 that Abraham was called the friend of God. Uh, Santiago capítulo 2 verso 23 dice que Abraham fue llamado amistad o amigo de Dios. Uh, the book of Job tells us to befriend the Almighty. Y el libro de Job nos dice amistate con Dios. It tells us to befriend the Almighty. That means that God desires relationship with you on the level of friendship. Dios desea relación con usted y yo al nivel de amistad. And so uh, when Jesus spoke of the disciples uh, and he spoke to the disciples, the Bible says, I no longer call you servant, but friend. Jesús les dijo, ya no te llamo siervo a los discípulos, sino les dijo, ahora te llamo amigo. Isn't that exciting to know that you can be a friend of God? ¿Cuántos se emocionan al pensar que son amigos de Dios? It's an exciting thing to be able uh, to consider this fact, that you can have a friendly and a, uh, a an amicable relationship with the Almighty. Uh, several years ago, as I was standing at the front door here of the church, uh, on the way uh, uh, after service, a little boy was coming out the door, and uh, and I, I was shaking people's hands, and I, I crouched down, I gave him my hand, and I said, hello, my friend, and he didn't respond, he just got so excited, he turned around, and he looked at his mother, and he said, mama, did you know that Pastor Isaac was my friend? And he got excited about that idea. Uh, something, uh, something broke loose in his mind. Wow, I have a friend. Now, well, I want you to know tonight that God is your friend. Dios es amigo tuyo si tú lo quieres. It's an offer of friendship. Es una oferta de amistad. And not everyone enjoys friendship with God. No todos disfrutan. La amistad con Dios, because divine friendship, like human friendship, requires something of you. No todos disfrutan la amistad con Dios porque la amistad divina, como la amistad humana, requiere algo de nosotros. Friendship is not, you know, we have a uh, social media platform that calls a friendship um, it says they friended you, and and that word is used in a very very loose way because just picking a button and saying I'm going to be someone's friend does not make you their friend. Say amen, somebody. There are some people that have two million friends, and if you run into them on the street, they don't know you from anybody else. Listen, to be a friend requires time and it requires a commitment and it requires that you be available it requires that you be a good listener it requires that you be able to confide and to trust there's more to being a friend than just clicking a button and 
That is why many people don't enjoy friendship with God. It's not that God is unfriendly. It's not that God is distant or that God is disinterested. But they don't make time to be in His presence, to hear His voice, to listen to His leading. And they're not available to His purpose and to His design for their life. But if you will give God your time, and if you will give God your attention and your ear, and if you will give God your disposition, I guarantee you, you can live this life in friendship with the Almighty. Say amen, somebody. And you can learn to hear His voice, and you can learn to sense His presence, and you can know uh, that He is available Every hour of the day, no matter what. And when everybody's running out of your life, he's running into your life to help you and to be your friend. Say amen, somebody. That is not possible outside of the new covenant. Esta amistad no es posible fuera del pacto que Cristo hizo en la cruz del Calvario. What made possible... Friendship with God is the blood of Jesus Christ. Lo que ha hecho posible la amistad con Dios es la sangre de Jesucristo. Through the blood, the Bible says in the, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, the enmity has been removed. Ephesians 2 nos dice que a través de la sangre la enemistad ha sido, ha sido quitada. The word enmity means the a hostility, the state of hostility. Uh, el, la palabra enemistad significa un estado de hostilidad, un estado de, de enemistad. Uh, just like if you go today to South Korea and you go to the 38th parallel, on the other side of the line is North Korea and there exists a state of hostility. For more than 50 years there has existed a state of hostility, a state of war between those two nations and and uh, there is uh, there is an animosity in between but Jesus came and at the cross he removed the hostility that existed between God and man say amen somebody absolutely removed it Jesús vino y en la cruz del Calvario quitó la enemistad que existía entre Dios y el hombre so tonight you can be all the mad you want at God. That's not going to change anything as far as God is concerned. He is reaching out to you. He wants to be your friend. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to believe Him. Come on, somebody. That's the God that we serve. God is not a grudge keeper. He wants friendship with every human heart. And Christ, by the blood, has removed that enmity, that status of hostility that existed between God and man. And if you will lay down your weapons and your rebellion and the hardness of your heart and draw near to God, the Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And so you and I, as believers, can live in this assurance. Jesus has called you friend. He said in one place, no man has greater love than this, than he that lays down his life for his friend. That is a part of covenant relationship. Esto es parte del pacto de relación, la amistad. Let me just tell you this. Don't, you know, marriage is a covenant. 
Say amen, somebody. El matrimonio es un pacto. Do you know that if you are not friends, you probably should not enter the marriage covenant? Si ustedes no son amigos, no se casen. Se acabaron los amenes. This contract, this covenant, is a covenant friendship. Es un pacto de amistad. And, you know, we probably all met some married couples that weren't very friendly to one another. But God, by in our relationship with Him, is teaching us that uh, the marriage between the church and Christ uh, is pictured in earth by marriage and our marriages ought to represent and reflect the friendship covenant of God. Say amen, somebody. So you young people, you gotta you gotta find a friend first. Say amen, somebody. Now this friendship, this covenant friendship, is offered to you as part of the covenant. If you're not living by the covenant economy, you will not enjoy this friendship. However much it's yours. For example, if you have a need and you sit at home and you're worrying about that need and your friend can easily solve the need and your friend is available and your friend is willing and if your friend solved this need, it wouldn't be any problem to them, it wouldn't it wouldn't cost any of their resources, but you don't call them. They cannot help you, however much willing they may have been. And however much, uh, uh, however easy it may be, they cannot help you if you don't tell them that you need their help. Say amen, somebody. God's friendship is toward you. And the covenant blessings of God are toward you. But you cannot enjoy them outside of the covenant. You've got to call on God in faith. I say you got to call on God in faith. And he says, call upon me and I will answer you. So this covenant economy does not operate on I can't afford it. What does that sound like? No one ever cared for me. Every time I need help, there's no one around. No one's, I'm always there for other people. No one's there for me. That is the voice and the language of people who are living outside of covenant with God. What do you need to be saying? You need to be saying, I have the help that I need when I need it. I have help when I call. I have answers when I call. Come on, somebody. Because you are in friendship with the Almighty God. This is a greater friendship than being in friendship with the President of the United States or the Governor or anybody else. Come on. To know God and to have His friendship is an incredible blessing and gift. And Abram enjoyed friendship with God because he believed God. And he spent time with God. And he listened to God. And because he cultivated that friendship with God, he is one of the few people in the entirety of the Bible that God says, Abraham is my friend. This is not something God said all over the Bible. Just very few times 
Abram is my friend. Because Abram believed God. And because he cooperated with God. In the things that God wanted to do in the world through him. Now, a few years ago in church we used to sing, I am a friend of God. Y'all remember that one? And I used to think, these people need to stop singing that. Some of them I haven't seen in church in forever. Not everyone is a friend of God. But if you're in covenant, you are a friend of God. Alright, here's the second thing I want to tell you about this covenant. And that is that this covenant not only is a covenant of friendship, but it's a covenant of confidence. God tells Abram that he's going to do something in his life greater than Abram can even fathom or believe. And this is, this is resulting in a confidence in Abram that's going to be able to take him and his family into the transformation of the entire world. But it takes Abraham baby steps to come to that place where he can have confidence in God. By the time we see him in chapter 14, and he says to the king of Sodom, I don't want your money. I know that you could make me rich, but I don't want your money. You're not my source. God is my source. We see that. That confidence is growing up in Abram as he is coming to realize that God is the one who is doing this in his life. And so long as he'll believe him, he will see the glory of God. Now here's the, here's the problem sometimes we have. Nobody likes to be second place. Anybody in here want to be second place? Nobody likes second place. We all like to win. How many of you like to win? You didn't say yes, you're lying. I know you like to win. But when you have confidence in God, even if you're in second place, you have confidence. In Genesis chapter 13, God, upon Abraham and, uh, and Lot, are in in a, in a pickle because they have two families and two companies and they're both growing and they have two sets of uh, sheep and, and herds of flocks and, and these two companies are getting tense between each other. And so Abram needs to get away from Lot and he needs to get away from Lot's company. But he knows that the land has been promised to him. And he knows that God has promised him that he's going to make him the possessor and his, his descendants the possessor of all this land that today we call the nation of Israel. And so if you read chapter 13 of Genesis, what you read there is that Abram says to Lot, you pick which part of the land you want. I'll go second. You choose first, I'll choose second. Now what we're seeing there is the covenant economy at work. Say amen, somebody. Because normally what you would say is, I'll choose first. And then you can have the rest. Or I know if Grandpa 
told y'all, hey, y'all come over to the ranch. I'm going to divide up the acreage. And whoever gets here first can have the best part. Y'all will be speeding to grandpa's house. Because we want to be first. But here's what the covenant economy knows. The covenant economy knows I don't need to be first by man's uh, equation or by man's reckoning. I just have to show up on time with God. And whatever God has for me will be the best thing that could possibly have happened to me. Come on, somebody. He says, Lot, you choose first. Now, when you look at this picture, you see on the one hand, there's a valley. It's green. It's lush. It's watered. And it's, it's beautiful. And it's called the Valley of Sodom. And then on the other side... You see the wilderness and the brown mountains and the Judean uh, hills. And there's not much going on out there. And what do you think Lot's going to pick? There's a valley and he could just imagine his sheep out there already. But Lot is living by the natural economy He's living by the Babylonian economy. Abram is living by the covenant economy. And Abram knows. You can give me the driest, deadest desert. And if I go in there, the covenant of God will make it green and lush and fruitful. Come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. You have to know that you it doesn't matter if you're in second place. The, the covenant of God will give you confidence in every season, in every place, in every circumstance. And so Lot, the Bible said, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He chose what his natural man, what his natural eye could see. And yet Abraham saw the rest of that place. And if you go to Israel today, there's still a wilderness there. But you'll see some amazing things. You'll see vineyards in the desert. You'll see cropland in the desert. And now the, the scientists in Israel and the farmers in Israel travel to other deserts around the world. And they teach people how to have a green, fertile harvest in the midst of a desert. Are you listening tonight? We're here maybe about uh, 5,000 years after Abram chose the land that was left after Lot picked what he wanted. And, and we're not talking about Lot. And we're not talking about the valley of Sodom. We're talking about Israel, the promised land. Why? Because one man decided if I go with God, I can't lose and I can't be late. Come on, somebody. You've got to make up your mind to believe God. And when that confidence is there. I'm living in the covenant economy of God. And I have confidence that even if I show up last, I'll be first. And even if I'm second in line, I'll be first in line. And if you really you study the Bible, the second always comes in first. God made Adam. He was the first. He messed it up. The second Adam was Jesus, and he redeemed it all. You remember that Esau came first, then Jacob? But who do we say? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau? No. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Come on, somebody. 
You got to hear this tonight. Because your natural man and your natural eye can see things and can evaluate things. And, and we can calculate just like the world calculates. But you have to understand that when you're living by the economy of heaven, by the economy of the covenant of God, that God doesn't need the world system to do in your life what He wants to do. That God can do in your life what He wants to do even when everything's against you. I'll give you another example because Jacob is a grandson of Abram. And Jacob has worked for his father-in-law, Laban. And the scripture tells us that Laban, you know, made himself rich off of Jacob. And Jacob has nothing to show for it, but he's ready to go home. And so he tells Laban, he says, look, I'm going to be leaving. And I'm not going to leave here. I'm gonna, now I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to make some wealth for myself before I go home. He says, but here's what I'm going to do. He says, I want you to take all of the, all of the sheep, uh, in your, all of the goats in your herd. And if any of them are speckled or striped or spotted, take them out, take them somewhere else. And I'm going to be in this, I'm going to be with this herd that's all solid. And at the end of the season, whatever sheep is speckled and spotted will be mine and all the rest will be yours. Now Laban said, that sounds like a plan to me. Because he knew if I take out all the speckled and spotted and take them to another place, that gene is no longer in this pool. And if that gene is not in this pool, then when the, when the goats start, uh, start reproducing, there won't be any speckled, spotted, or striped goats around here. And so Jacob made this arrangement with Laban. What's he doing? He's saying, I'm giving you the first choice. I'm giving you the first pick. Well, that season, uh, that season came and went. And when they started counting up all those baby goats, every baby goat was speckled and striped and spotted. Come on, somebody. And Laban is standing there waiting, saying, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. Uh, some, something is mixed up here. Somebody's tricking me. But Jacob had made a covenant decision that I'm going to trust God. Come on. Are you listening to what I'm telling you? God can bring out of a pool what's not even in the pool if you'll just trust him and believe him. Are there any covenant children in the house of God tonight? Confidence in God. Now here's the third thing the, the covenant does. And that is that the covenant inspires possibilities. Say, I have possibilities. I want you to start thinking and living and listing possibilities. Stop sitting at your table and saying all the impossible. I can't do that because I don't have a college degree. I can't do that because I don't have enough capital. I can't do that because I don't have a car. I can't do that because I don't have a staff. I can't do that because I don't have the education. Stop saying that. You start listing your possibilities. God says to Abram, I am your shield and your reward. I'm your economy. Abram responds by saying, God, what will you give me since I am childless? Anything you give me is going to go to my right-hand man, my servant, Eleazar. And God says, no, it won't. 
Amen, somebody. I don't encourage you to argue with God. If he says something, believe it. He says, no, it won't. He says, your heir is going to come out of your body. You're going to have a child. And that child is going to be your heir. And then he says to Abram, come outside. So he's in the tent. He brings him out of the tent. Because, you see, Abram's tent was blocking Abram's vision. You've got to be careful what you allow to block your vision. Say amen, somebody. Dios le dice a Abraham, sal de tu tienda porque tú vas a tener un hijo. Y tu hijo va, va a ser tu heredero. Y él lo tiene que sacar de la tienda. ¿Por qué? Porque la tienda donde él estaba, estaba cubriendo su visión. And we have to be very careful about what we allow to block our vision. It might be a, a previous failure. It might be something that let you down. It might be somebody that let you down. It might be a voice in your life that's always telling you what you can't do and where you can't go and what you can't achieve for God. Or somebody that's always saying, it won't work. And most often, the tent that's blocking your vision is in your own mind. It's your own way of thinking. Muchas veces la tienda que cubre la visión es nuestra manera de pensar. Y nuestra manera de, de, de ver las cosas, que yo no puedo, y que no tengo la educación, y que no, no he logrado eso, y, y ya, ya me estoy haciendo viejo, y todavía no lo he alcanzado. Y Dios a veces nos tiene que sacar de allí para poder ver lo que Él ve. God has to bring you out of there so you can see what He sees. Tell Him tonight, Lord, let me see what you see. Now, listen. Abram just fought a battle. In chapter 14. Abraham acaba de pelear una batalla en el capítulo 14. What do you do after you fight a battle? I take a nap, pastor. ¿Qué hace usted después de una batalla? Pues me voy a dormir, una siesta, a descansar. No, God said, Abram, I have work for you to do. Dios no le dio a, a Abraham tiempo para una siesta. Lo sacó de la tienda. Come on, why do you go into your tent at night except to sleep? And God's telling us tonight, listen, this is no time to sleep. Listen, there is a battle raging. There, I said there's a battle raging. The whole world is involved in the battle. And many are, are losing the battle. They're losing their faith. They're losing their confidence. They're losing their relationship with God. But you and I are the covenant children of God. You and I are the covenant friends of God. Come on, somebody. And you and I have work to do. Usted y yo tenemos trabajo que hacer. Come on, somebody. It's time to get to work. Es tiempo de trabajar. He says, come out here. He says, look toward the heavens. Tell your neighbor, look up. Boy, it's easy to look down, isn't it? I can't. I won't. Look at all my problems. Look at how my kids behave. Look at how my money behaves. 
I put $100 in my pocket. I brought out $40. What happened? Hay muchos que tienen la cabeza agachada comiendo con las gallinas, picando aquí y allá. Pecking like chickens. Come on. You're covenant children of God. I don't care how deep the pit is, look up. I don't care how deep the, the problem is, look up. I don't care how difficult it is, look up. God is a look up God. Nuestro Dios es un Dios de las alturas. Te dice, mira hacia arriba. The psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes. Dijo el salmista, levantaré mis ojos. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, He is the glory and the lifter of my head. Dice el salmista en el Salmo 130, Él es mi gloria y el que levanta mi cabeza. Come on, if you're outside of the covenant of God, put your head down. But if you're in the covenant of God, lift up your eyes. Come on, lift up your faith. Lift up your confidence in God. God says to him, lift up your eyes to the heavens. God's covenant always moves upward. El pacto de Dios te lleva hacia arriba. And if you're not moving up tonight, keep looking up. Because you will go where your mind is taking you. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and do what? What does he say? That's verse, Genesis 15, verse 5. Do what? I told you there was some work to do. Do what? Say it out loud. Count the stars. What else does he say? If you can. If you are able. He says, Abram, I'm a possibility God. Stop singing about your problem. Start singing about your God. Stop telling God about your problem. Start talking to your problem about God. What did Jesus say? He said, if you will say to this mountain... He didn't say, say to God. Talk to me, somebody. If you will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Are you listening? Are you hearing me? He didn't say, if you'll say to God how bitter and how sorry and how sad things are, if you'll tell God how big the mountain is, if you'll just cry enough to God and tell Him how pathetic the situation is. No, He said, you are a covenant child of God and you have the authority of God. You have faith, so open your mouth and speak to the mountain. Is there a church in the house of God tonight? Tell your problem about God. David went out on that battlefield with Goliath and he saw possibilities. And what did he say to the giant? He didn't tell God. He told the giant, today 
I will remove your head from you. Prophesy. Tell your neighbor, prophesy to your problem. You're letting your problem prophesy to you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take you out. No, you're not. Is there a church in the house of God tonight? He said, count the stars if you can. Why does God have him doing this? He says, so shall your descendants be. He starts the chapter talking about, I don't have one kid. I don't have one heir. God says, you're going to have as many descendants as the stars of the heavens. Now, I just, I just read a headline the other day. It said something about like there are 8 million Jews in the world. That's in this generation. And God's not just talking about Jews. He's talking about every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every dialect. Where there's somebody who names the name of Jesus, that they are the descendants of Abraham's faith. He said, as many as are the stars of the heavens, so will your descendants be. Come on, what could God do? What can God do for you? What is God able to do in your life? If you will decide, I'm going to live by the covenant economy of God. My prayer is tonight, God, bring you out. And remind you that the just shall live by faith. If you're going to see the fulfillment of God's promise in your life, you're going to have to live by faith. And you know what faith does? Faith looks at the stars and says, God can. Faith looks at the stars and says, God will. All right, now I'm going to give you some work to do. Bring the house lights down, please. Now, don't take a nap. This is not time for a nap. I want you to look at these stars tonight. And I want you to start to list the promises of God over your life. And I want you to make up your mind. I'm not going to leave this earth until I have done what God called me to do. And until I have seen God fulfilling his word and his calling in my life. Abram, when he died, he died not only with 
Ishmael and Isaac, but he died having ten more children after Isaac. That's not the stars. But it was the start. Your job and my job is to make sure that what God promised us is started, well started, before we leave. Say amen, somebody. Now, if you don't have any dreams, you have any vision, you can take a nap for the next five minutes. But if you have a vision, if you have a dream, start listing it in your mind. Start making a demand on yourself and on the covenant. Because the blood of Jesus has purchased every single one of those promises. Every single promise from God is yes and amen to the believer. And maybe tonight your faith just reaches far enough to get your bills paid this month. Then you start right where that is. But you keep looking at the stars. And understand this. If God is my friend, then I can't be alone. And I can't fail. And I will not be defeated. Because I'm not walking alone. I'm walking with God. Come on, somebody. God is awakening calling and vision into the heart of his church because COVID-19 has put many believers to sleep and he's put your dreams to sleep and he's put your calling to sleep and you think well it'll just come later or maybe it was not for me I rebuke that in Jesus name come out come out of that tent Come out of that place of slumber and stupor. And come out of that place of forgetfulness. Arouse yourself to the awareness of this fact. My God is a covenant keeping God. And my circumstances do not change the covenants of God. I said my circumstances do not cancel the covenants of God. Come on. The world can cancel what they want. But they cannot cancel God's covenant with the believer. Come on, stand up on your feet tonight. And just come out of that tent. Father God, I pray that you will remove the blindness, remove the cloudiness, remove the covering of the vision of your people. Some have been clouded by by discouragement, by fear, by anxiety, by worry. This pandemic has stolen some of their vision. Tonight I pray you bring them out of that place. Let them see what you see. Let them see the plans which heaven has drawn up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, start calling those things that be not as though they were. Call those things that be not as though they were. God says, if you can. That means what you want is nothing compared to what God can do. Hallelujah. Come on, stir up your faith. Rise up tonight to meet the moment we're in.
Rise up tonight to meet the moment you're living in. You weren't born in the wrong time. And this pandemic didn't come in the wrong time. God put you right here in this season because he has a job for you to do. Because he has work for you to do. And you are a covenant child of God.